Hey, Last Looks crew. Welcome to our annual Last Looks Oscars special episodes, where I interview all five teams nominated for their outstanding work. This is the 96th annual Academy Awards. The awards will be held March 10th at the Dolby Theatre in Hollywood. Every team is asked the same set of questions, but of course, they all give very different answers. Every year, the work is excellent, and this year is no different. I want to take a quick moment to thank all our Last Look sponsors. You truly help keep this little beast of a show going, and for that, I am forever grateful. If you would like to support the podcast, it's as easy as buying us a coffee. And when I say us, I mean me. (laughs) Don't be fooled in thinking there is a team of podcast elves helping. (laughs) You can find a link in the show notes of any of these episodes if you would like to show your love and support. My name is Jamie Lee, a film hairstylist living in Long Beach, and this is The Last Looks Podcast, a show where I catch up with hairstylists and makeup artists working in the film and TV industries around the world. And today, in these Oscars special episodes, I'm speaking with all five Oscar-nominated teams for their outstanding work. Let's do this. And now, a word from our sponsor. Tablet Palette is the first and only resaleable, customizable, and compostable beauty palette. It's the perfect solution for glam on the go and touch-ups. No more wasted foundation from your mixing palette. Keep the excess fresh for touch-ups by putting it into a sealed tab. Actor bags stay organized and lightweight with tablet. You can pre-fill them, which makes it easy for a day player or second unit artists to keep each look consistent for continuity. Skip the messy wax paper. Hand out tabs to your background talent to use throughout the day. Tired of giving away lipsticks? Mix up custom lip color and put it in a tab for your client to take on the go and keep your products in your kit. Tablet is perfect for travel. You can cut it to fit a TSA-approved bag. Visit tabletpalette.com to order your resealable, compostable tablet palettes now. That's T-A-B-L-E-T-T-E-P-A-L-E-T-T-E dot com. Use code LASTLOOKS for 25% off. And now, our feature presentation. Picture up. Last Looks. Rolling. And action. Welcome to the Last Looks podcast team. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Congratulations on your Oscar nomination for your work on the film Maestro. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, very welcome. And the work being considered for Maestro is makeup and hairstyling for the overall film. So if you could each tell us your name and what your position on the film was. Yeah, my name is Kazuhiro and I was a prosthetic makeup designer for Leonard Bernstein look on Bradley Cooper. Uh, My name is Lori McCoy-Bell, and I was Bradley Cooper's personal hairstylist. And my name's Kay Giorgio, and I was the hair designer and hair department head for the movie Maestro. Awesome. So I would love to know, when you heard the news that you had been nominated, what was the first thought that came to mind? Of course, it, it was a great honor. And I was happy because I'm friend with uh, David and Monse 
from DDT, and they walked on the Society of the Snow. Oh, brilliant. And so I was happy they were nominated. Yeah. And also thinking about that tuxedo. <laughs> <laughs> I have to press it. You know? yeah, when I first heard the news that we were nominated for the Oscar, I was quite in shock, actually, and uh, of the feeling, the overwhelming feeling of people, you know, being actually recognized for your work. Mm-hmm. And like Kazu had said, I was also so happy for everyone else that was nominated. And I was wondering what they were feeling too. So I'm just honored to be part of this elite group of five that they've chosen. And all of it is such great work. I don't remember what my first exact thought was, but I do remember feeling really, really happy and thinking, oh God, it's going to be a great day. And then the next thing I thought was, I wonder if Jimmy, Jameson and Amanda know who are the co-workers that I we we all did the film together so they were in my department and I thought how thrilled they would be and as both Kazu and Laurie have said it's it's such an honor and a privilege to come this far and I thought they would be so excited and you know because it was a team effort and they did such great work and of course later on that day we were all texting with each other and it was it was lovely it was very elating oh brilliant and then as Kazu said the next thing you're thinking about is what am I going to wear <laughs> yes I'm going to wear a tuxedo <laughs> all going to wear tuxedos that'd be perfect yes. it's so true <laughs> need to get a dress for real. Everyone's <laughs> going on a diet, except for Kazu, because he's skinny. And then we're all going to wear tuxedos. Perfect. <laughs> I love it. That would be quite amazing. <laughs> so if you could talk us through three of the characters from the film, makeup and hair-wise, from research and development through to daily application. Kazu and Laurie, I assume you will cover Bradley Cooper's character and Kay, a couple of characters you'll like to cover as well. Yeah, okay. So Bradley Cooper first contacted me was, I think, end of 2019 by text. <laughs> And uh, he was asking me if I'm interested in uh, this project. And of course I wanted, because, you know, once I heard about uh, this project, Maestro, I, Leonard Bernstein was a big inspiration for me since I started my job, uh, which is like uh, almost uh, 36 years ago. And, you know, I wanted to do a film about him someday, you know, in my head, I was thinking about it. And finally it came true after 36 years. And so, because I was so fascinated by his face and uh, he has a look very, you know, iconic and a very interesting look too. And also who he was, was a really, you know, big inspiration to the musician and of course, any other artist. So I jumped on it and, you know, COVID started and I finally met him first time. That was a 2020 August. And, you know, before that, of course, I gathered lots of references, uh, DVD, video, and books and a photograph over the internet. And he, he was most documented person, one of the most documented persons. So I could gather like a, maybe 1600 photographs. And I read the script beforehand and uh, broke down the uh, old stages and that end up like a five different stages. And uh, I did live cast and a scan 
with him and the body scan and started the design. And I think first test we did was at end of 2020 at my place. And from there, we did a film test at the Disney Concert Hall. And then that was the first film test. And then we did another test before the filming. It was a technical studio. And then we went into the uh, filming. And so that was kind of a, you know, like many years because it's a COVID was you know, still happening for a long time. And we were supposed to start the filming in 2021. But at the end, we started 2022, uh, May, in mm. New York. So the, uh, uh, you know, like the first element he asked me to make was a nose plug because uh, I had to widen his nose anyway because uh, Leonard Bernstein has a big nose. And I made a nose plug for him and he was also talking about Leonard Bernstein had a deviated septum. Mm. So I made a nose plug to change the airflow of his nose. So kind of uh, it kind of muffled nasal voice and helped him because he spent so much time to, to train his voice to change to uh, Leonard Bernstein. And it, it was interesting because every time I get a phone call, he was doing uh, Lenny's voice. Oh, wow. And then <laughs> I, I, I believe you know, he used that nose plug in uh, Nightmare Alley, like a last scene. Oh. <laughs> the, yeah, yeah, I was joking, like if he, I can get the credit for that. But, uh, <laughs> nice <laughs> <the> try. Movie, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but uh, uh, so the uh, originally, I was supposed to be working with a uh, few more makeup artists to shorten the application. But after test and the first few days of filming, he called me and can you do application by yourself? Mm. And so I said, oh, okay, it might take a little longer though. And he said, that's fine because he needed the space because he was doing a director, co-writer and the producer and acting at the same time. So mm. morning time for him at a few hours, you know, like a, because youngest stage took about two hours and 30 minutes and the next stage about two hours and the third, fourth stage was three hours or three hours 30 minutes mm -hmm. and last stage was uh, five hours and so he needed space to get ready for the filming and the, our call time was always before the uh, actual makeup finish time was right before the crew call because he wanted to show up to set as a Lenny to uh, set up the shooting. It was kind of, a, you know, that will make our call time two hours earlier than normal, mm. at least. And uh, youngest stage, uh, I had to young make him younger like, because he was supposed to be around 25 years old. So I put the temple uh, lift and the cheek lift and he had the nose piece and the upper lip and lower lip and chin piece and uh, then lowly put a uh, wig on mm -hmm. and the second stage was the same piece but the uh, lowly put a little bit behind to make him look older too and the third stage was different piece but adding to those pieces i put the cheek piece and earlobes and neck piece and he had a bold cap and then Loli put the wig on. And the fourth stage was 
additional forehead piece and the eyebrow hair piece. Then the last stage had, I think, 14 pieces. Oh, wow. Cover up whole head, yeah, and arm had the two pieces, top and bottom, and also body suits. So we had to change his body shape, and so that that took the longest, of course. That's what I did, and uh, yeah, it was it was kind of a really hard every day, especially hard one was a last stage, mm. and that was the first one we shot. Oh, on wow. the whole schedule okay. because a week before the filming start uh, I got covid and so perfect originally we <laughs> we we supposed to start the youngest first but they had to change the schedule mm. to shoot that and so our call time was like at 1 a.m. probably oh, yeah wow yeah mm. amazing um Laurie, do you want to talk about all the wigs used sure yeah kazoo had kazoo had five different stages and i had four different wigs so one of the wigs i used for you know used again so my youngest stage was basically just a toupee it's just a small toupee that brought down his forehead to have the leonard bernstein feel to him you know the his hairline on him Hmm. And uh, what I would do, I would just temporarily color Bradley's gray hair to make it look younger and rich and blend it all together so Bradley looked younger than he is in actual years. And another stage for me was the same wig, but I left his gray hair out and I added some gray to his hair and and we also added some uh, to his temples. And that was during the, I guess, black and white portion of the film. So then we go into another stage, which is which was my stage two, which was, you know, might've been different with, um, with Kazoo's thing, but stage two was a three quarter wig. Originally we made the wigs in two pieces and we were going to use a back piece that I would put on so it could hug the neck better. And, uh, and I would place the three quarter piece over that. And we decided not to use the bottom pieces for that. And we left his natural hair out, which then I colored with real color palette aging palettes to put in the amount of gray and white that we needed to to match whatever era we were on. That was a three-quarter bald cap too. So that was really, really nice and easy to put on. And, you know, I used super baldies, which, you know, was amazing and, and good good to work, obviously, with prosthetic pieces. The next stage, you know, his hair was grayer, maybe a little bit thinner. And we also used the back of his nape, his own hair. And I just changed, you know, the amount of color to blend in with the wig. It was whiter, still a three-quarter bald cap Kazu put on. And our last stage, which is the longest stage, was actually a full wig where we did use both pieces of the wig. And I would place the the nape on first and get that all glued down to a full, you know, bald cap and then place the other one on top. I spent a lot of time. I would come in about an hour to two hours before he came to my chair and I would make sure, you know, under my magnifying mirror, I would just sit there and I would pull each hair in the direction that I wanted it to lay. And so when I put that thing on, there was no time to dress it after. It was like fully dressed, put it on and and glued out the door he went, you know, Mm. because it was such early calls. And like, you know, Kazu said he needed to be on set, wanted to be on set, ready to, to go in full 
mode, <laughs> full Leonard Bernstein mode. Yeah. Yeah. So I found that was very helpful to come in early and I'd give myself plenty of time in case, you know, I needed to do something or something overnight didn't set the way that I wanted to. I had time to correct it, but I spent a lot of my prep time before, which is probably the most I've spent on a, on a film or on a wig beforehand. They don't give us that time in this business. You know, you got 18 minute setup time. You beg for yeah. a half an hour setup time. <laughs> and you're putting a wig on, you know, like, you know, you, you know, so I was lucky to have that time. And I think that really, really helped. I don't know how I'm ever going to, you know, want to do a wig, just slap it on with, without doing what I had gone through before, but you know, yeah. We'll ruined see. you for we'll, life. We'll, we'll, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll, it's we'll cross that bridge when that comes, you know, how yeah. hard that is, Jamie, like yeah. to, you know, this wig on in the time that they allow. Anyways, yeah. Absolutely. So that, that's basically it. I use a lot of real color palettes and, you know, and natural even those wigs when I set them at night. Beautiful. And Kay, who would you like to talk about? I guess the the main character would have been Carrie, who who mm-hmm. played Felicia Bernstein. Yeah. All of our characters, though, you know, the, the story takes place over four decades. Mm-hmm. So they, first of all, there was the research, which there was copious amounts of research. When I came on board, the family had supplied a lot of family photographs, as well as already Kazu has said, Leonard Bernstein is, was so photographed, so documented. So there were some photographs of his family that were available to the public, but we also had access to a private collection, which was obviously incredibly helpful. Yeah. There was also some bits of information which his children provided. Jamie and Alex were saying that their mother changed their hairstyle very frequently, especially oh, wow. in her sort of like middle-aged years. You know, she would come come home with different colored hair and a different hairstyle. And it was a choice not to actually do that with our Felicia, with Carrie, because I think it can be very confusing if you change someone's hair too often and it changed enough as it was. So for Felicia, I ended up having four wigs made, though there was a combination of wigs and her own hair. So for her younger looks, when she's darker and they first meet, it was wigs that we used. And then as the story progresses, it was in the 50s, I started using her own hair, which I dyed and colored to match a kind of period looking blonde that was a color that Felicia went to. There's a lot of documentation of her with that swept up do that's blonde. And then as she aged and got older, I went back into using wigs again for her mm. older looks, where, where her hair was shorter. And it, it was still kind of blonde, but it wasn't nearly as attractive. You know, the blonde wasn't, it was like a, a very dyed looking blonde. And as well as Felicia, several of the characters, the children, Jamie and Alex, and, you know, many of the characters through the story, David Hoppenheim, Aaron Copeland, Betty and Adolph Green, Shirley Bernstein, they all age. We see all of them through the in each of the decades. Not not necessarily all of the decades, but we do see them age. And so the characters that I had in wigs, and let it be said now that Bradley was not a fan of using wigs. He really wanted to use whoever's own hair we could get away with using. That's exactly what we did. Sometimes it wasn't possible. So there were quite a few wigs that needed to be used. And sometimes we just had to adapt the wig that was, you know, fitted on a younger character and change the style for that same character, but when they were older. 
And it's the same with the children. You know, the children, obviously, there were uh, three children. And some of the children, you know, when they were younger, they had longer hair. And as they grew up, their hair got long and then it got short. And, you know, and that was done mainly with extensions. But there was, it was, I think for us, the biggest challenge for the hair department was actually the, the fact that the story took place over several decades and having to change them. And part of our shooting schedule meant that sometimes a character that was perhaps we would only see in the 40s and we were never supposed to see them in the 60s, then it would be decided that we would see them in the 60s. Hmm. <laughs> so we had to find a way to make them look older, but we wouldn't necessarily have had a wig made for them or anything because you know that it, the plan was never to see them in that later part of the film. So that that was definitely a challenge. Absolutely. You know, and usually you spend the first 10 minutes saying, but you but they weren't supposed to be in this. <laughs> so, then, oh, yep. <laughs> and nobody listens to you. It's like, yeah, we'll get over that and they'll figure out how to do it. You know? And you did figure it out. So that's awesome. I love it. So each year the nominated films showcase such a wonderful range of work. So how do you guys feel your work differs from your fellow nominees? <laughs> tricky question i just yeah said, isn't yeah. it uh, <laughs> i think for me it's uh you know this film covers almost like 50 years of a range of uh from uh you know him 25 to 71 mm. and at the same time involved the likeness of uh, leonard bernstein so that was uh quite different and you know, I'm I'm so obsessed with a human face, so you know I I like the portraiture. So I think that's a big difference, just to get the both thing right, like yeah. aging authentically, because it's it's not that far in between the stages, almost like a ten years of each. Mm. So you have to have a smooth transition, and also I wanted to make more like really age him rather than kind of, uh, you know, like most of the film, like in Hollywood movie, they tend to make it too subtle. And uh, that doesn't look like uh, they aged or they are not young enough mm. for the age. So that was an important part and also incorporate the likeness, I think. Awesome. I don't know. That's a tricky one, isn't it? Mm. It's a very difficult question. Laurie, do you have any ideas? Yeah, no, I just, I think with the nominees this year, you can't really compare. They're all at the top of their game. I mean, you have like Society of the Snow, which was a period film that beautifully done. The hair I thought was great. The snow in the hair, I'm just talking hair now, you know, but the degrading over time, like I, I found it fascinating and you can't really compare that with like Maestro in a way, you know, because Maestro was that character, like Kazu said, from 25 to 71 and, mm. and so many prosthetic pieces on. And then you have like poor things, which I don't know how you get extensions as long as her hair was, you know? <laughs> and, you know, Oppenheimer, of course, you know, that was period and that took over time and you had lots of characters that you had to to make look like them and in, in the best way that you could. And and Golda like was well done as as well. And you know, you know, like all well done. All these movies are so well done in their own way and I do, it, and and all of them different art, different art. Yeah. yeah. 
Beautifully said. Now, what did you find to be your biggest challenge during filming? I think it's Bradley was such a perfectionist and that part was a biggest challenge to make him, you know, happy about, you know, our work. And even Kay said, Bradley, he doesn't like a wig. So the beginning of the discussion when I designed it and and uh, so we had a long, kind of long conversation about the, even like about the wig. Mm. And so I asked him, uh, okay, what, 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 what do you think? What was the best wig in the film industry? And uh, he said, uh, like, uh, oh, the darkest hour. Okay. All right. So, you know, I, I designed that wig. So, okay, just, all right, I got your point. So let me work on it because you know like a hairstyle you know like a is i think the hairline is a part of the design of the likeness too mm, yeah so you know that if that is off uh, you know everything fall apart you know hair is such an important part of the whole look uh because it's almost like a la- last part of a framing the face and mm. that would decide the proportion of the f- face too mm. so that was I think important. that's so right, Kazu. I think what you said is so right. You know, like the the hairline, if that's not right, it, it can throw everything off, can't it? Throws everything yeah, off. Yeah. Balance. yeah. And, uh, you know, t- the wig tend, the, especially male wig is so hard because it's, they tend to be look too, too thick. So the density is important. And uh, as they age, you know, they, of course, they yeah. should start the, texture and the density of the hair mm. and um and the uh he was really keen on the likeness and the believability so that was like a biggest challenge to you know to see how i see and to see how he sees mm. the face yeah. that was you know collaboration he's a great collaborator he was but that was a kind of biggest challenge uh, in on this show I, I would say yeah he is a quite a perfectionist and Kazu is too and I am too so I think we made a really great team I wanted mm-hmm. to say something about the wig I know that Bradley did have to look at himself in the mirror and, and believe that believed it you know and looked at it and was comfortable totally mm-hmm. comfortable we we fussed a little bit about those earlier year toupee that I put on him and we made sure that we made a part in his hair where the part of that hair was so you can see you know the scalp through it and I actually ended up putting some real color on a brush and and painting just kind of dabbing uh, here and there to show that you saw some skin actually mm-hmm. on the lace in the part and that seemed to make it more believable in his eyes don't you think Kazu like uh, yes, having yes. part there was like a hundred percent better for him and yeah. so you know the the uh, Lenny had actually bigger hair but for the uh, movie he wanted to kind of tighten down yeah to fit his face yeah too. yeah yeah. So that was, we spent a lot of time to figure out what would be the good, you know, like a length of the hair, hair so it won't look too big. Too. Right. So, we, had that play, we had to play that. We had to like just figure that out. What's believable on screen? What's comfortable for Bradley? What he sees in his eyes? What Kazu sees in his eyes? And, and, you know, every time, every time he's like, can cut a little bit more. And I would look at Kazu like, and, and we would, you know, like, 
what do you think? <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Eggs don't grow yeah. as we right. know. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, a puffy wig, you probably want to stay away from on a man because it, it does read wig. It is very difficult. It's more difficult for a man. I think that's right. To put a wig on a man, I think, than a, a, a woman. Just yeah, believe it, you know, because that nape and it's always short and, you know. But the wigs were beautifully made by Diana Choi. That's who Kazu had designed with, and and it fit like a glove. That's awesome. Kay, what was your biggest challenge? I think exactly what both Kazu and Laurie have said. You know, Bradley is a real perfectionist, and that didn't just stop at Lenny. It extended itself throughout the looks for everyone in the film. Yeah. And so, you know, if it passed... If it passed the Bradley test, mm. then it was it went on camera. But I, I think that was one of the the biggest challenges. And he doesn't miss a thing. He doesn't miss a thing. Yeah. He's hundred percent and he doesn't miss a thing. Like is, you know, like and he remembers. It's like yeah. and I actually it, really it, love that in a director. <laughs> and yeah, it's, yeah. it's it's not it doesn't stop at makeup and hair it's it's costumes it's sets it's, right. it's everything he's you know he's a including of himself i think he's just you know he's a perfectionist he, he he's you know critical in a good way yeah it's amazing i thought i mean i was kind of excited about that too because i like the high demanding people mm, to work yes. with so there's one time you know because i was putting on a lip piece on him and he said oh this feel different from yesterday and so d- during you know once we started filming vincent van dyke was running a piece for me and really at the vincent shop who was uh, responsible for running and so i kind of go back and forth asking to keep the bodies on the surface as soon as possible because I have to seal on the top of it because he was sweating, you know, like a, and I have to stay all day. Yeah. And so it took a few weeks to settle down to where we wanted. Then I, you know, once I, once one batch settled and it was great. And so I got the new batch and the put, I put on, on him. And he said, oh, this feels different. Wow. Okay. And then, <laughs> and then I checked the backside. So body was really like a tiny bit thicker. And he, he could sense that kind of difference. Wow. So, That's impressive. Yeah, you were, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. It would so, be like one hair off. I'm like, yeah, it's, I don't have it set on yet. You know, wait a minute. Right. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. You we had that. And it's like, now let me do the fine tuning and adjusting. And, you know, like that, that hair is supposed to be on this thought. You know, like it's, it's great. We were all on the same page. It was not mm-hmm. obnoxious. It was like, I was happy to have that. And I have always been happy that he's been that way. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, we normally hope that we get to the end of a project and we've learned some lessons. So what's something like a standout lesson that you felt you learned by the end of the shoot? Well, for me, I want to be in, if I'm putting a wig on someone first thing in the morning, I I want to be there at least an hour before making, going through. You want more prep time. That's what you want, Lori. (laughs) I want my tweezers. I could pull each hair into place and mm-hmm. and like and and have that you know have that yeah I want more prep time and, and it really made a difference it really it really made a difference to to me on this one yeah 
but also, you know, that wig had to go on in, in a very short amount of time for me. And, and then he was off to work. And I, if it, if I didn't have it put on right at the beginning there, it was, it, you couldn't really chase him around too much. I mean, he always is polite enough to give you, give you the work that you need to do to get, get it right. But like, don't touch him if, if he doesn't need it. And I didn't touch him much because he didn't need it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So working with Bradley is like, a, it was like an education because he's such a great communicator. And so I, you know, I really enjoyed working with the old crews he picked. And because, you know, he really showed that what the possibility, how great the production will be. Mm-hmm. And we had the best people in each department. And so it was like a big family and how he communicated with everybody. And he was really open and honest. And so that was kind of a, what the lesson I learned is, you know, it's important to work with the best people and just being honest and open about everything. It's like, a, you know, like a, because of collaboration, like a filmmaking is a collaboration. And that process, he taught me a lot about what would be the best way to work with on the film and I think I love that I think you know I think it's very true what what both Kazi and and Laurie have said and Mm. I think what the only thing I can add to it is as I said earlier you know quite often there would be a character that we would only think we were going to see in the 40s and then they'd suddenly show up in the 50s or the 60s Mm. and my first reaction would be well you know we've only got they've only got one wig and it's only going to do this and that's the end of it and (laughs) You know, just when you think you've been pushed as far as you can go, sure enough, you can always be pushed a little bit further. And it's amazing what will come out of that, you know, how how well people, you know, will respond to that. And, you know, I had, I worked with such fantastic hairdressers. You know, I had Jameson Eaton and Jimmy Good and Amanda Duffy Evans, and they were they were really sublime, you know, they really pulled all the stops out and however hard the day was and how whatever you asked of them, they just, they delivered. They were pretty amazing. You did have a great team, Kay. Yeah, they were, they were smashing. Really, they were. And yeah. speaking of teams, we all know it takes a team. So did you guys want to take a moment to give a shout out to those that helped you on the project? Yeah, sure. Okay, I'd like to give uh, credit and thanks to Jameson Eaton, Jimmy Good, and and Amanda Duffy Evans, and Lou Shepard, who ran the crowd department in the UK, Amanda Duffy Evans, who ran the hair department in New York, and Jameson and Jimmy, who were fantastic hairdressers, all a fantastic department, excellent hairdressers. And the wig makers that were involved in this production were Martial Conneville, Peter Owen, Jessica Lalande, and Helena Collection. Thank you so much. Yes, yes. So there are many, but uh, Megan Longmire was uh, my assistant for the whole show. And uh, she was helping me to, you know, because <laughs> there's a t- part like uh, setting up the station and organize everything. And she's a great assistant. And uh, Mike McCash and Mike Fontaine and Vivian Baker was uh, helping me at the beginning and uh, Richard Ledriffson and Greg Griffin was uh, also assistant for the additional filming. And wig maker, 
Diana Choi and Vanessa Lee was she was helping me to make a suits and Vincent Van Dyke and the Vincent's crew he was a big part because I've been working with them like the last probably five or six years you know they are the one I trust and uh, they always make a mold and cast pieces for me amazing I love it. You know, I just want, you know, I want to thank Kazoo and, yeah. and Sean and the the whole hair and makeup team for being so supportive and being lovely to work uh, side by side with. And yeah. Megan was great for helping me as well, ordering things and, you know, when she could and walking my dog. Well, yeah, makeup <laughs> designer, Sean Greg, she was yeah. phenomenal. Yeah, Duncan German too, like a Sean Greg and the Duncan oh, yeah. German, you know, they're, they're really inspiring makeup artists. It's like really great. Absolutely. I love that. Okay, guys. Well, a massive congratulations again. Enjoy the ride. And thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, thank you very much. Bye.